Do we care about the guys at Auburn lost already via the transfer portal? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. The portal is open, Lindsey Crosby, and a lot of people, myself included, Expected a lot more to go down over the weekend. That's not what we saw happen. And up to this point, Auburn has two notable guys in the portal so far. We're not going to talk about the reserve linebackers that entered mid-spring. We're looking at Dawson, number three, Chick Dawson, Tarvarish Dawson, entering the portal early, early Saturday morning. And then we also learned about Jeffrey Embaugh, Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon rather. And I guess the big question is like, do we, are we good? Are we good with this so far? Lindsay. So I feel like if you're, if you had to give me two positions to drop a player, like just in a vacuum, wide receiver feels like it's a pretty big room right now. Sure. Defensive line feels like it's a pretty big room. Sure. And so Losing a player from those positions, and then after that, backup linebackers, uh, doesn't necessarily feel like it's that big of a loss to the 2023 Auburn Tigers on the field. Uh, now, those specific players, I think there's maybe mixed reaction on the two. Tavares yeah. Dawson, to me, was one of those guys, four-star recruit. Seemed like he was always that close to putting it together and never really did. I think he finished with like 40 total yards in two seasons. 30 through the air, 10 th- on the ground. Yep. There you go. So uh, just was p- potential only all the way until he left. Uh, Jeffrey Emba, I think, is the bigger loss of the two yeah. simply because he is a guy that wasn't going to start for you this year, but absolutely had all of the tools that you were looking for for a guy that could be an impact. And if something happened to one of your starters and the light bulb clicked on for him, then he could have been a guy that had a huge impact in 2023. You just needed multiple things to happen, and now we don't get to see if it does. Yeah, the upside of Emba, losing the upside of that is is really the only negative in all of this because let's don't kid ourselves, and there's been some people that have said some pretty ridiculous things negatively about Jeffrey Emba, which is not fair at all. This guy hasn't been playing football that long, and the fact that he really wasn't even put in a situation to succeed last year. And like, you knew when you got him, he was going to be a raw product. Like the, the fact that like you expected too much of this guy, like that's on you. That's not on Jeffrey and Bob. And so I think now, you know, with this staff and this scheme defensively that we think should allow for a lot of more one-on-one situations with talented players like Jeffrey and Bob, I think that's something now. I am kind of like, it seemed like every time the portal opens since he's been here, he's like talked about or flirted with like publicly leaving. And like, I don't love that. Like, I'm kind of glad that that's done. I'm glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. But the whole aspect of like what his upside represented, I mean, it's impossible not to get excited about that. And so 
We'll see what exactly that does regarding the rotation. I think it puts more of an emphasis now moving forward on guys that can rush the passer. And not that Emba was necessarily expected to be this guy that they bring in to generate a higher level of rush uh, of a pass rush, but you're thinner there, right? I mean, if God forbid, if something happens to Marcus Harris now, like I don't know what you do. Like from a personnel standpoint, <clears throat> I don't know what you do. And so, you know, maybe, maybe you kind of spend a little bit extra time talking to folks um, that, that play strong side defensive end and can possibly generate a pass rush from there. We'll see. We'll certainly see. Thank goodness uh, Mosiah Nasili Kite had an excellent spring based on multiple reports because he's going to play a lot of three technique and a lot of five, a lot of strong side defensive end. And now he may, that may be it permanently. He may just rotate in with Marcus Harris. We'll certainly have to see what all that looks like. But I don't think this is a huge deal. I wouldn't be shocked if this was somewhat personality driven. I think Emba thought he was a starter because I think he was a starter going into spring. Lindsay, sounds like sounds like it was uh, just the success of Jason Jones and Justin Rogers both wanting them on the field more. They had to scoot Marcus Harris out from that three technique, and 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 Emba was starting at the that defensive end. They had to scoot Marcus Harris out. And I just I don't think Emba responded well to that, and so you know we're talking about culture with Hugh Freeze and what Ron Roberts is trying to do. All of a sudden, you know, if somebody's not happy there, they don't need to be in this room. Yeah, and and that's the big thing he talked about it in the the winter portal too. Is that they had options to go out and get guys, they chose not to because they're prioritizing fit, not only schematically but chemistry wise in the room. You want guys who are happy, guys who want to be here. And there's definitely so the Jeffrey Emba situation is is frustrating from the perspective of you can picture what he could do with in the lineup, right? Like you, you can see him at the end, uh, and then it's just it's something where Jason Jones outperformed expectations as far as physical fitness. You know, he lost sure. weight, he got faster, uh, you know, and still kept his strength and everything. It's not just Jeffrey Emba's fault. He didn't do anything wrong, and that he can got be beat. hard. Yeah, he got beat, and that can be hard for a, a – it, it wasn't even somebody who was competing with him. It was somebody who was competing at a different position that right. meant they had to kick somebody else out. And so that can be hard for a 20-year-old kid to kind of understand and and to accept. And so I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. We wish mm -hmm. him nothing but the best. And in the meantime, kind of curious to see how that, uh, that two-deep shakes out now, uh, given that you, you've got to find a new defensive end to back up Marcus Harris. And like you said, if something happens to Marcus Harris – you're in a situation kind of like you were last year where you lost yep. like you and it's like, well, we've got options. Let's see what they can do. And it turns out Derek Bragg is pretty good. Yeah, I think Mosiah Nasili Kite may be the winner of this weekend just with Jeffrey Lee because I don't think, <clears throat> could be wrong, but I don't think they're going to get somebody at that spot that's better than him. Based on what he's done this spring, Mosiah Nasili Kite, the transfer from Maryland, he's been great. He's been great and versatile. And that's why you went out and got those three big defensive linemen in the first portal. As far as Tarvarish Dawson, I said this over the first few weeks of spring. We're during the, the view media viewing window. And sometimes what we see matters, Lindsay, and sometimes it doesn't. And you don't always know like when they're showing us something and when they're not. It's just impossible. But now with hindsight, you know, there'd be times where the pace drill, they'd run, you know, First team, second team, third team, 
And Tavares would just be on the sideline the whole time. And it's like, why is he not out there? Like, he's explosive, we think. Like, why is he not out there? And, you know, maybe that was sending a message. Maybe, maybe he got beat out. Maybe it was just certain kind of personnel groupings and he was just unlucky. I don't know. But looking back on that, it does seem kind of telling. So, um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are more okay with this one just because there's, I, I just feel like there's several Tavares Dawson still on this roster. I mean, it's like the only thing, the only type of receiver Brian Harshon brought in with the exception of Camden Brown are these slot receivers. And it's like, I feel like Coy Moore is a better version of Tavares Dawson. I think Jay Fair is, is a similar receiver to Tavares Dawson. Javari Johnson, I think is a better version of Tavares Dawson. So um, like you said at the top of the show, if these were the two position groups you wanted to lose somebody. I think it makes sense. Yeah. And it's, you kind of hit the nail on the head there as far as like, we have other options that do the same thing. It wasn't, Jeffrey Imbel was more of a unique combination of size and strength and explosiveness. And you didn't really have that exact package from anybody else. You have the Tavares Dawson package in a Javarius Johnson, in a Jay Fair, that, that, uh, that shorter, smaller, quicker, explosive kind of guy. Maybe they don't have the top end speed or something like that, but you have 95% of it. And so it feels like it's easier to replace. And in this offense, it's going to be a lot like multiple larger outside receivers and then maybe one smaller slot guy. So you have plenty of options to fill in for him. Uh, again, wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, there's a, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up at UCF with our, uh, our, our old friend there. But it's you're not that hurt about losing this. And then you lost a backup linebacker or two. And we've, I've talked on the show many times before about how you had so many upperclassmen in that room. You need yep. younger guys anyway. Uh, if it's somebody who's obviously in the third or fourth string mid spring, they went ahead and just stepped in and it's fine. Right. Right. Okay. What is coming up next? Should we expect more guys to enter soon? And also I've, we've got two guys that we're going to discuss that we think Auburn fans should really be paying attention to all that and more coming up right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays. They are back, Lindsey Crosby. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. $1,000, people. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up to place your first bet. $1,000. Back in bonus bets if you don't win. FanDuel, the officials, uh, the official partner of Major League Baseball. I was a little surprised that we we're at this point of the portal, and it's a little slow. Talking to folks close to the situation, to Lindsay, meetings are coming, and it sounds like a lot will be today when the show drops on Monday, and it sounds like a lot will be Tuesday. And I think the day of reckoning will be here before we know it. And I think it's going to be that way across all of college football. I think you kind of give the kids this weekend to see who wants to go. And then I think you have some tough conversations. It sounds like one-on-one meetings will be happening throughout the Auburn football program this week. It's what I was told. And I imagine the coaching staff will have a little bit of urgency having one-on-one meetings with everyone. And there's going to be the line where folks drop and they say, you may... You may want to look somewhere else because you're not going to offer what we need at an SEC program. You're going to hear that line. Some of these kids are going to hear that line this week, and we'll see how they respond. Yeah, and 
the timing actually works out okay for Auburn because a lot of the Southern schools wrapped up spring practice a couple weeks ago. Uh, there are programs that the portal closes on the 30th. There are programs that have their spring game on like the 28th. Mm. And, you know, and so it's Auburn worked out well in that they've gone past all of that. The coaches have had a chance to break down the film, discuss what they liked and didn't like. And it's not written down and handed to us, but they kind of, I'm, I guarantee you, they have a preliminary depth chart of who is going to play where and what they want to do. And so they've already figured all of that stuff out. You're not in a rush after a spring game finishes to get it all in a day or two before guys have to declare. So the timing works out well for Auburn. But uh, I kind of got lucky, I guess, because I we only have to cover a couple guys here. The Tuesday show, the Wednesday show, are going to have a lot more guys uh, potentially entering the portal once they learn where they stand on this roster, in this yeah. scheme, and and do they have the playtime coming or not. And then in it's something, and we've seen it like this, like like this all across football. A lot of college teams, you've seen guys slowly entering the portal over the weekend. It wasn't a mass rush on day one like it was in the fall. Right. So that's been an interesting development that I kind of wasn't expecting. I was thinking it was also going to be a a very frantic first couple days, and it, for the most part, it hasn't. And I'm thinking that's because it opened on a weekend and wait until yeah. Monday when everybody's back in, classes are in. If people were gone on spring break, they're back from spring break. Then you'll start to see a lot of action pick up during the week. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see if it's going to be like that every year or not. But certainly it was like that this year. So two guys that we think you need to really pay attention to. The first is Jaden Muskrat. What a name. He is a is great name, especially for the offensive lineman that he is. So he is a former two-lane offensive lineman. He played the all but two of his snaps at right tackle last year, played over 800 snaps at right tackle. Tulsa. Tulane, where have we heard this before, right? Dylan Wade was the other tackle in that offense, and Auburn's current offensive coordinator was the head coach. And so yeah. he put out the tweet, Lindsay, you know, thanking the University of Tulsa, and, you know, I'm entering the portal. He put that out at 138 on the 15th, and he tweeted out that he got an offer, an offer at 144. It's, I'm not saying anything. No, but I, I mean, think previous relationships matter in all of this. You know, it's, I, I guarantee you what happened is uh, Philip Montgomery, we know he's an active on Twitter. One uh, L, he by had, the way. One L. Yeah. Very, very important. One L, not two. Who would do two? Monsters. Uh, and, and he had a sweet notifications on. He got the tweet from his former player, called him up right away. Hey, man, big fan of what you've done. Enjoy the name. I want to bring that to Auburn. Uh, and I think you could be productive here depending on the role. And so makes sense. Obviously, no tampering. We would never in a million years. Uh, we would not do that. And so excited. But who's to, see, to say like Dylan Wade wasn't talked to? I mean, they played on the same. There's no rule. Line. There's no you rule. You can do that. Right. The and coaches so, cannot talk to a guy who is not yet in the portal. That's right. His, that's right. And so, I mean, there, there's so many loopholes where like when people claim tampering, it's like, you've got to prove that because it's really easy to not tamper. So why would these guys do that? But, uh, you know, I, I think he's okay. Right. Like, I, I don't know if Jaden Muskrat's a starter unless they say, hey, we're going to slot you in at guard and just see if you can beat out Jeremiah Wright or Tate Johnson or somebody like that, um, which I think is fine. But I love the idea if he were to come here to be, you know, kind of have Connor Liu be the first guy off the bench if somebody, something were to happen to a starting interior offensive lineman, which will happen. It's just football. I mean, it's just yeah. hard to do that. 
And then if something happens to a tackle, you know, Jaden Muskrat comes in because I think Jaden Muskrat is ready, to, more ready to play in 2023 than Xavier Miller. Xavier Miller will probably be the first tackle off the bench in his current roster. So I like that. I don't think it's a big splash, but I think it makes your roster a little bit better, Lindsay. Uh, the other guy that we think we need to talk about, Jaheim Thomas. Jaheim Thomas is a former linebacker for Cincinnati. He is entering the portal. Looks like, uh, according to his tweet, he's got two years left of eligibility. He's what, 6'4, 245? Yeah. And so, like, he's a thumper. That's how he's been used as, like, a, you know, a, a, an in the box linebacker. His coverage grade isn't very good. Um, he's played a good amount of football. But to me, like, when I hear 6'4, 245, like, I don't want you playing linebacker. I want you, like, I want you either playing Jack or, like, you know, you bring in for, like, a gadget-type situation if you want to send extra dudes. And you pointed out, you pointed out that his, uh, his pass rush grade is actually pretty solid. He has a pass rush grade of an 84. I'll take it. And of his, in essence, 400 snaps, just under 400 snaps on defense last year, because he did have special team snaps as well. He does punt coverage and field goal and all that. Uh, you know, one fourth of all of his, one fourth the one, I'm sorry, one, yeah, one fourth of all of his snaps were on the defensive line. So he, I mean, he has the frame for it. When you look at the current composition of the roster, Elijah McAllister at Jack, 6'6", 270, Keldrick Falk, 6'6", 275. Those are your big guys. Everybody behind them, uh, Brenton Williams, 6'3", 250. Dylan Brooks, 6'4", 245. It's all the same size uh, that that Jaheim Thomas is. And so you have, def- you know, you have, he can drop into coverage if you need him to, but it's not his strength. You have, he is good at rushing the passer and he's experienced at it, as well as he is good in rush defense as well. Mm. It makes sense to me this is the guy that we've talked about as you need another guy in that Jack linebacker rotation. You need somebody who can step up in case of injury. It feels like Jaheim Thomas was gift wrapped on a platter to us and said, we will fill these needs that you have Auburn football. Okay. Uh, and then one other thing I wanted to add about Muskrat was uh, he's also gotten offers from Cal and Penn State. So I think that probably adds some some validity to it. Cal's interesting because we play Cal this year. Penn State's interesting because they destroyed us last year. So there we go. Yeah, I don't know what game you're talking about. That was something under the last guy, and I got rid of him. Uh, like, just mentally. I kind of flushed all of that. Good for you. Um, I, I'm you're, you're better at that than me. Yeah. Uh, Jade Muskrat is from Bentonville, Arkansas, which means, one, the family's probably big into Walmart, but then two... Sure. That's that's something I would be mindful of. Like, hey, does Arkansas reach out and try to, you know, and give him an Bring offer? Him that's probably the only time I'd be a little worried about it, simply because he's a home, he, he's a local kid. But other than that, just happens so fast. You have to feel like we're so much better than Cal as far as the destination goes. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, look, let's just be honest. If he's from Arkansas and he likes Walmart, you know, we can get at Walmart built bars. And I want my offensive lineman eating Bilt Bars. You know what I'm saying? So there we go. There we go. I don't even have a uh, Bilt Bars, not even a sponsor of today's show. Just gave him love. Just like Chura. that. It's the churro. All right. Something happened over the weekend that really ticked me off, Lindsay. And I want to talk about it in just okay. a moment, right here 
on Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Auburn baseball lost a series that I feel like they shouldn't have lost, but the pitching is so up and down. It's like maybe they probably did deserve to lose. Mostly it. down. Um, a lot of down. A lot of down. Herbert Holtz looks fine for, for a stint there. That was nice. But the 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 Auburn baseball team lost two out of three in Tuscaloosa. And I don't want to ruffle any feathers here because Auburn folks pride themselves on a lot of things. Some of them cool. Some of them is like stuff that only we care about, but mm-hmm. whatever, it doesn't matter. Alabama has just like wrecked us this year. And like, I don't feel like we're mad enough about that. They beat us in football. This is all from um, a guy on Twitter named Andrew Shoemaker. They beat us in football, men and women's basketball twice, soccer, men's wheelchair basketball five times, gymnastics, women swimming and diving, baseball, and track and field. And it's like, Auburn, we kind of pride ourselves on this everything school stuff, which I love. I think it's awesome. But if like you're going to lose to your biggest rival in pretty much every sport where y'all play each other, and some people like equestrian, equestrian, which congrats to those girls, runner up in the national championship, incredible, incredible run. But like they don't, Alabama, like equestrian is a club sport there. So like we don't even play them in that. And so it's like we can't even count that. It's just this sucks. It sucks losing to Bama in anything, and it's happening more than it should, I think, Lindsay. The most frustrating part about it to me, as a guy who is really big into uh, Auburn baseball, obviously, and then you know football and tangentially pays attention to, to, to everything else, is Auburn fans love Auburn, and Auburn fans love every sport. I see tweets come across and it's somebody getting hyped about a baseball game and then right behind it they're getting hyped about gymnastics and then they're getting hyped about, you know, yeah. this this golfer making the cut and all of that. And so these these people are very interested and passionate about the individual sports at Auburn. Alabama fans, unless they're winning, only care about football. That's the frustrating part. It's not like it doesn't even they legitimately don't care. Yeah, but they still get these like great athletes that are just gifted to them. And they're like, oh, we care now. And it's like, no, you don't. You didn't care before this. When you they're gone, care. you won't care after. And it just stinks about like, I mean, let's just let's just face it. The the four biggest sports that we care most about, and I'm saying just from an attendance standpoint, from an interest too, I would guess. Football, men's basketball. Gymnastics and baseball, those are the four biggest, most attended sports right now. And like, they whooped us. And it just, it stinks. It hurts. And I just don't think we're mad enough about it as we should be. Yeah, I don't necessarily know exactly what the fix is to this, but I feel like us yelling about it is probably the beginning of the fix. So like, you need to, you know, write write an email, write a letter, be like, hey, y'all got to fix this. Do whatever you got to do. I don't know if it's we have to prioritize giving to NIL more. I don't know if it's better facilities, but you need to make it known that like, hey, we got to fix this. This has got to be fixed. Tired of losing Alabama. I'm curious to see if how many Auburn fans are like in the wait and see mode with NIL. Like on to victory, let's see what you do first. 
I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what that looks like. But I don't know. I saw that tweet and like I threw my phone. It's just like God. I was already mad about like dropping game three because like it was one nothing. Then I go to Callaway Gardens with the family, Lindsay, and I come back, and Andrew is recovering it for Auburn Daily this week, and he's like, the takeaways are up. And I'm like, sweet, did we hold on the lead? And he's like, no, pitching. And I'm like, great, that's fantastic. They scored six unanswered runs in game Yeah, because it, yeah, it was one nothing, and then they won 6-1. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm. Auburn, Auburn out-hit them on Saturday and lost. It's it just stinks. And like yeah. I love Butch Thompson, but it just seems like our starting pitchers are always hurt. <laughs> it's like we've got to, we've got to fix this. Oh, Lindsay, how can people um before I say something else bad? How how, uh, <laughs> how can people check out what you have going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show Locked in MLB Prospects available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find the Auburn baseball writing, auburndaily.com and the Atlanta Braves writing, bravestoday.com. You can follow me on socials at Z Blackerby. Find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.